coffee, I'm hot like coffee. coffee. Haters gonna hate, just get the fuck off me. Might feel dope on the lead. Choice. My sweet nerd style and my baritone voice. I'm eccentric Tom, yeah, that's my name. Talking about movie shows and video games. Trumpets. I stand the fuck back while I blow my trumpet. trumpet. And I'm Dr. Shuffin and my rhymes are quick. quick. I'm rapping on the mic with lines so sick. Yeah, I've been around, I'm the real old school. You can't knock my wisdom cause you a straight fool. We're the last game fuckers and we're here to say. So we're rocking it out in a major way. So sit back and relax and let us flow. We're the last game fuckers now on with the show. Word to your mother. Beep, 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 What's going on? It's your boy here, Dr. Shafiq, aka Curry and Rhymes, aka the Brown Thunder, aka the only thing that matters. Giving it up. Welcome to the Last King Podcast. Who do I have with me besides my hype man over here? We got Mr. Tuffy, aka Weeboo Wizard, aka Grandmaster Chocolate, aka Dr. Anime, aka Mr. Fungmeister, Psychedelic Funkatron 9003. And all the way from Oxford, England, we got this is Eccentric Tom, a.k.a. Awkward White Boy, <laughs> a.k.a. Lord something or other, a.k.a. Please a.k.a. Please the Snowstorm, <laughs> a.k.a. White Noise, a.k.a. The English Blizzard Breakfast. Wizard, <laughs> a.k.a. English Breakfast. <laughs> I feel so alone and afraid. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of The Last King Podcast. You know who we are, you know what's going on. Hope you all enjoyed that very... Uh, off the dome freestyle <laughs> rap introduction. Yeah, very off the dome. <laughs> no writtens here, man. Yeah, it's all just ciphers I, and free. <laughs> I, I feel that is very appropriate given that we're gonna be talking about a really awesome show net, uh, from Netflix, The Get Down. Yes. Yeah, boy. <laughs> as well as sort of linking with the next, like sort of the topic we're going to. The yeah. game. Persona Speaking 5. of growing up in a hard life, we're gonna be talking first about Persona Five. Yes, yeah, that's correct. Persona Five. Okay, that just dropped. I think maybe it was actually a few days week, ago. Few last days week, ago. it was of this recording. April fifth yeah. or sixth for us. It's around that time. Yeah. Okay. And believe it or not, some stores are actually selling it like a week earlier as well. Yeah, I and mean, uh, obviously, if you follow the Persona Five series, you would know that it released last September in Japan because mm-hmm. the Japanese hate everyone else apparently. So, unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to play. Nada has... Nah, I... Gano Shafiq. Oh, man. I'm still recovering from, like, Mass Effect Andromeda sickness. <laughs> God, and I can it. tell you that Persona 5 is the cure for that common cold. You think so? Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. I mean, I think Mass Effect might be the one video game that finally breaks me. <laughs> <laughs> I think this can heal you. This can give you some, you know... DLC healing and stuff. I hope so, because I'm a, I'm a huge fan of like uh, Persona 4. And I mean, I'm a big fan of the Shin Megami Tensei series as a whole. But I really want to hear your thoughts on Persona 5. I mean, what have they done? What have they improved upon? And most importantly, is it the RPG or is it the Japanese game that's going to knock near Automata off your list of best games? Now, so I can answer that right now. I can say almost, but not quite. But it's still damn good in its own regard. Now, knowing just how much of a fellation you give Neo Tomata... Fellating, fellating, you mean. Fellating, my apologies. I flubbed my, uh, my he, burn. That means cocksucking <laughs> for all you homies out there. Yeah. So, 
Tell us a bit more about, especially me, I've never played a Persona game. You've never game. played a Persona game. This that is, is perfect because this, mm. you can actually go into it just fresh. Don't worry about the number five on the title. So there is no reference to previous games. There's no... I think it's a continuation. There is a slight yeah. reference, but very, very slight. It's its own story. Okay. So you play this kid, a new transfer student for this in Tokyo, a new school. Somehow he got transferred because he was an unwarranted criminal. Like He did the right thing at the wrong time. Let's just say that. So, so because of that, he got transferred. He's got a criminal record. Teachers are on him, you know? Oh, okay, yeah. Okay, and then his life turned upside down. When he got flip turned upside down. Yeah. When so he moved into a town called Bel Air <laughs> with Aunt Viv and Uncle Phil. <laughs> well, so we're gonna Uncle t- Phil in this version is actually kind of skinny and he actually makes really good coffee. Okay. I swear to God, swear to God, yes. He's got the beard too. He's got the beard. Not a lawyer, Does he also voice the Shredder? No, no, no. <laughs> unfortunately. Although he did voice one fighting game character in Blaze Blue. Yeah. That's oh, kind of okay. Let me steer this train back on the tracks. <laughs> okay, We're talking okay. about Persona yeah, yeah. 5 here. So, when his life turns upside down, when he starts... <laughs> Stop saying that, man! Working for a talking cat. Was it because he was playing basketball with yes, the wrong people? a talking cat. Okay, talking cat. Yes. Okay. Was the to cat's see... name Carlton? Um, <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll promise. I'll stop. I'll stop. Okay, so his job is to form this group called the Phantom Thieves okay. to steal bad people's hearts in this alternate universe called the Metaverse. And what now? Okay, this Metaverse is actually the recreation of a person's twisted desire. So if there's like a big bad guy who puts up a face in reality, mm-hmm. in the Metaverse, he creates a palace in this place of origin or place of work. Okay. So for an example, we got this gym teacher named Kamoshida. He's, yeah. a, he's a douche, but he's done a lot of bad shit, which I'm not going to spoil because this game is hella fresh. So <laughs> <castle>. <laughs> I got to keep up with the whole beats, yo. Okay, all so right. That's in, not in Mr. Toffee, hot okay. like coffee. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so in the school, he drops in the metaverse, like... he, it actually creates a castle for himself where he's the king. Okay. Because he's respected in the school. So mm. it's a... It's kind of like the cathartic escape, but visualized. Yeah, visualized. Super mm-hmm. visualized. So the Phantom Thieves have to go in, steal the heart, get the hell out, give a calling card, go inside, steal it, and get the hell out so he, so that his evil desires are out and he starts getting guilt, guilt trip and stuff. Okay, so would you say... To this turn is them good. We have re- rehabilitate, yeah. Okay. okay, so is this the main drive of the Persona series or is there something else involved? This is the main drive of... This particular persona. This okay. So the yeah. past one, Shafiq, if you remember, is more like trying to escape from, you know, the shadow that cl- lurks within the yeah, village. Jumping the into the televisions. Yeah, yeah. Like the Midnight Channel stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. This one's more like in that, Tokyo. That's the portal into the... Uh, into the metaverse. metaverse. Oh, okay. Okay, all right. So this one's more like kids fighting adults who are evil. In ah, more... Children of the Corn style, or...? Uh, more like um, we are Robin Hood-like archetypes trying to right the wrongs. So like Peter Pan and the Lost Boys? Uh, more like, more like vigilantes, the, vigil- like like Batman in a sense, Batman. Or like the kids in Mad Max Three. Mm-hmm. In a way, in a way, <laughs> yes, in a way. Now, what I like about this game story is that it actually also focuses on the repercussions of taking things with your own hands. Okay. Yeah, vigilantism. You know, being phantom thieves. Even though you're doing the right thing, yeah, this game says, yeah, you're you are, but you are actually doing this out of your own free will and stuff, like brainwashing in a sense. So, is it? Kind of like the storyline of Batman Beyond. Uh, 
in a way, yes, but they do it in a very more expensive way. Like okay. it can be, it can be its own mini series if it wanted to, like TV anime series. All right, I'm sure. sure there's okay. talks to make like the Persona into. I mean, yeah. it, it spun off into a fighting game. There's gonna be an anime for right? part four. Yes, for part four, there was already an anime and there's already a TV series. Mm. So it depends on how much gangbusters this game does. I'm sure it's gonna do. Absolutely amazing. At this point in time, do you have any of the numbers? How much it shipped so far? Well, the, uh, for worldwide side, I think it's one point eight or one point five. That's really for good for shipping. Okay, even shipping, that's pretty good. And I'm gonna, it's probably not gonna do Horizon numbers, but I think it'll probably do at least a couple million. No, I think it's I'm actually surprised. Ramp up, yeah. yeah, dude, I'm actually surprised because this is considered a sort of niche title outside of Japan. In Japan, there are concerts for it. There's even a play for Persona 4. Yeah. yeah. But in America and Europe, not that, not as big. I mean, it's got I a mean, cult following, I would say. That. Yeah, it's I super mean, cult following. I'll admit, I've never heard of it, but I have heard people talk about it like it's just the gold standard for Japanese RPG games. I wouldn't even say the gold standard. I would say it would be the perfect alternative to what is mainstream JRPGs. I mean, like, uh-huh. you have your Final Fantasies, you have your Breath of Fire. Oh, speaking of which, um, oh, a lot of people said that between Persona 5 and Final Fantasy for 15, which one are they looking forward to? A lot of the Japanese fans and whatnot, they said they're going to vote Persona 5. Really? That's how big it is. Because it's got that slice of life uh, variable where basically a lot of the characters, a lot of the scenarios take place within high school. Uh-huh. So I think, it, it, I mean, you will relate to it like how American kids relate to Spider-Man where, you know, like this person, like, oh, okay, he's, yeah, he's a kid, he's mean, a kid yeah. like me. You know, mm-hmm. and I think like probably because it's, in a word, like Final Fantasy is pretty much up its own ass at its point of time. Absolutely. And then like Persona Five is pretty much the. It's un- doing its own thing. That's what I like about it. And it's, it's the G- the JRPG that caters to the fans rather than to the to the dollars. Yeah. yeah, and I think what might be also fair to say is that the Persona series has been going on for at least the last half of the Final it's Fantasy about series. Twenty wow, years it's been around. Plus. Yeah, <laughs> but See, they take game? a long time between because the Persona. Like, Four came out in two thousand and eight. Two thousand eight. PS two era. Yeah. yeah. Whereas we had how many Final Fantasy titles between thirteen and fourteen? First thirteen and fifteen. Five. Yeah. <laughs> five. Five. Yeah. Plus the MMO. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not forget that I think this is actually the twenty fifth or twentieth anniversary of the Persona series. Mm-hmm. They've so actually been around since the PlayStation One era. Actually, mm-hmm. it was actually one, the very first Persona was actually the first PS One. One of the very few RPGs that came out before Final Fantasy VII dropped. Before or after Devil Summoner? It's about the same time. It's Devil about Summoner? the same time. Around the same time. Okay. Like five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. yeah. Uh, don't forget, Devil, Devil Summoner wasn't actually localized in English until the PS2 era. Mm, I, I remember I started at part two or part three. Mm. Yeah, so like, that is one of those problems with a lot of JRPGs where it's like, it's the availability. Yeah. But the thing is, it's like the quality speaks for itself enough to garner such a cult following outside of Japan. Yeah. And especially here in Asia where it's like kind of like, you know, within reach. I mean, it's sad to say that I think even within Singapore, there are Persona 5 fans. Oh, quite a few which are going to grow these eventually. these guys probably started from Persona 3 onwards. Okay. Like, which is, like is alright. Like the more esoteric earlier games. I mean, those were definitely overshadowed by like stuff like Final Fantasy or like even like, you know, even something like Lost Odyssey were getting more attention. Than yeah. yeah, yeah. The Persona I, series was already mainstream by the time Part 4 came out. That's when... You got likable characters. You've got like a really cool setting and a really. I think the mechanic from part four is actually much more streamlined than part three. Now part five, it actually takes the best of both worlds. Is it actually takes the Tartarus, uh, random j- dungeon generator from part three, mm-hmm. but at the same time it becomes linear for the main storyline when you're infiltrating the palace as thieves. 
Mm. Now you mentioned Tartarus. Is that a particular kind of engine? Is it a kind no, of no, mechanic? No, what is it? Actually, the dungeon from part three. Mm. Okay, because. Yeah. You know, this is my history nerd hat coming oh, on. Of course, of course, of Tartarus course. is a reference to the Greek, Greek stuff. Greek hell. Greek it's hell, it's where the Titans are locked up after the revolt from the gods. I yeah, that's pretty interesting. Uh, yeah. Persona Three had the whole Greek mythology thing going on. Oh, okay, so that's where it comes your, from. Your main persona is actually Tartarus. I mean, a lot okay. of a persona is actually like a stand, like from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, like your special your character, avatar. Your avatar. Oh, okay, Thank yeah. You. Your yeah. avatar. I don't know even if I like like your familiar or something. I think, but avatar would probably be the best. So like your true self inside, like coming to life and casting magic so spells and shit. For me, I'm translating it as, for example, his Dark Materials trilogy, the demon, like familiar. Similar it's about to it. similar, similar, similar. To it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, basically, it's like the manifestation of this uh, inner self of yours. Okay. Whereas uh, part four actually focuses more on your party members and eventually other people. It's more like team based, right? That's what I heard. This one, part five, is more team based. You're actually okay. dealing with other people who are evil who deserves rehabilitation. So like maybe remnants of like classic RPGs like Chrono Trigger. Where in a way, it's in how a way. you arrange your team and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Which I actually enjoy it in a sense. Like it's speaking a of old school JRPGs, is it still turn based? Turn-based? Yes, turn-based. Of course. When you go to combat, <laughs> when you fight a dude, you actually, okay, on the dungeon mode itself, you actually have to ambush enemies. When they hit you, you get overrun. But okay. if you ambush them, you actually act first. And the game, because of its stealth kind of feel, because you're Phantom Thieves infiltrating mansions and palaces, they're kind of going through this theme where you have to sneak around and take the level slowly, bit by bit. So you're saying the one thing which really makes me like XCOM 2, which is where you get the chance to Get, ambush. get the ambush on the adversary. So is that a similar Yes, thing? it's a similar approach okay. in Persona 5. It you actually have to attack most of your enemies by via ambush. And it allows you to strike uh, to act first in the actual combat. Right? Okay. So, I mean, it's, right. it's very classic in that sense. Yeah. And unlike Persona 3 and 4, where you have to do your Persona creation, your fusion stuff in the Velvet Room, Yes, you can do that in part five. But sorry, to you have to explain what the Velvet Room is oh, for thank me. You, thank you, sorry, sorry. Okay, so the Velvet Room is actually this uh, super safe space where you go in and, you know, talk to this guy named Igor who basically gives you cards to work with in a sense. Like you, that's why you actually start making your magic, your personas, okay. new personas. Because your main character is the only guy who can have multiple personas, whereas your other party members, you only have one. Then you can upgrade it to a better version at the end of the game. Oh, so you sort of get it? I, I think I get it. It's like the crafting room. The crafting room, yes. The crafting <laughs> room, yes. I mean, my main question is, you know, this is me, but I'm sure I'm speaking for many people who has never touched a JRPG, JRPG, <laughs> JRPG in yeah. my life. All right. What is the main draw for Persona? Because I'm never going to touch Final Fantasy with a 10-foot barge pole. It's would, the story. It's the story. I would, story? I would also say this. If you need to catch up with the JRPG craze, yeah. this would definitely be this the best is the entry point because if you want to go back in time and start at any point there, yo, it's going to be a monolithic uh, like search for where you should start. Yeah, it's best to just start with this yeah. because Persona series are, is actually meant to be like a gateway entry kind of game. For a lot of people who like anime culture, who like good story, but can't get into the JRPG threshold, they can go for, they can go for this. So you would say it's Western sensibilities friendly, or is there still some kind of uh, barrier? Actually, it actually is. I would it or not. say, well, I mean, not, that, that's correct, but it's not totally right. I mean, I would say this, like, Persona has a way of uh, catering to, like, just the 
the ideology of any teenager or any young person, especially somebody who plays video games and who has a certain kind of personality. And I'm not talking about somebody on the spectrum. I'm talking about like you know the obsessive compulsive guy who likes to collect things and explore. Yeah, you're gonna yeah. have a lot of fun so collecting all the personas in this. Okay, yeah. so it's speaking to a very particular kind of individual. I mean. People who love RPGs will definitely yeah. jump on Persona. And I think, yeah, I mean, if you've never played a JRPG, Persona 5, probably the best place to start because the, f- the fact is we live in a day and age where the conversations don't just revolve around this. Okay. So you definitely have all sorts of information from all over the place that can kind of like... Yeah. I will say that it's actually really... How do you say? You know like how when you start Witcher 3, you actually take about a few hours to get into it? I think all JRPGs, especially Persona 5, they have this problem of like... So taking its time, yeah. taking its time. You have to be patient in this game in terms of like introducing you to the concept, how to go through a dungeon, how to go through the other metaverse called uh, Mementos. It's a, the random dungeon bits. Yeah. Okay. Well. Oh. And also dividing your time to do this, make friends and whatnot. Trust me, I know barrier to entries with games. I'm a paradox fanatic. <laughs> uh, I know what okay, it's okay. like to. To take time to get there's nothing okay, then it's slightly easier. It's slightly easier. There's gonna be a definitely. special episode just dedicated to that coming soon. To explain things. my very <laughs> abusive relationship with Paradox Games. <laughs> yeah. So the reason why you want to actually make friends in this game, like to socialize, is because that will power up the way you do your fusions for your personas. So the more friends you are with this because your friends are actually divided into like different uh, card tar- uh, you know, tarot names. So you've got like the emperor side, you've got the magician and so forth. So each persona is actually under each category. So it's like classes in a standard D and D kind yeah. of. You know, like setting. races and classes. Okay, same yeah. concept. Yeah. Okay. So if you actually make friends with, let's just say uh, Ryuji, you actually are improving your chariot uh, class. So improving that actually makes your chariot-based personas much better, with more skills when you fuse them together and stuff. So they become more powerful when you start fusing them together. Okay. All right. Because this game actually re- requires you to actually. Get a persona from the dungeon, and then you actually fuse it, and then it becomes more more and more powerful, like 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 another kind of Pokemon in a way. Okay, I understand. So you've said a lot of very positive things, and you are, you know, I'm on the my, camp. Yes. You're, you're feeding my interest. So I need to ask you: Are there any negative aspects? Things which annoyed you? Things which? Yeah, I really want to ask, like, how's the combat different? Yeah. Oh, Be- the combat is actually more fast paced. I mean, I it's about the same in a sense. When you you got your all out attacks, you've got like. You actually have to exploit enemy weaknesses so that it gets in a in a knockdown state. So when it's like they're a- all knocked down, you can either do a hold up thing where you actually talk to them to recruit them, or talk to them or extort them for money or extort them for items, or you can just kill them all. Basically, when you do this all out attack, which kills them all, you get a slightly bigger bonus and you do more damage than usual. Okay. That sounds like kind of the moral choice thing, which is really impacting the RPG system oh, in no, Western games. Oh, no, that's just combat. That's just combat. Okay. It's not really a moral thing. It's just more like how to get more powerful. You either want to get XP by doing all-out attacks, or you want to actually get more money by extorting them, or you want to actually get personas by talking to them and then recruit, recruiting them to your side. Okay, I get you. But what is the weakest element of Persona 5? Probably time. Time? It takes quite a while to finish this game. Now, full disclosure... I've played about 60 hours of this game so Fuck far. Fuck me, man. And I'm not even done yet. I'm not even at... Because this game takes about an entire calendar in-game year to finish. Uh-huh. And I'm only at July at the moment. And it Around starts July. in January? Yes. It goes uh-huh. all the way to April, I believe. Mm. Yes. Jesus Christ. And I'm Christ. not done yet, dude. 
Because I'm probably taking my time with the combat. Yes. That, that's fine. So apart from how long it takes to finish, is there anything else in terms is of... Is there like a lot of padding in between? Yeah. Is there a police? It's really hard to tell because I'm actually playing through the through the game where I'm like, I'm actually excited to find out more and more, even if it's taking a lot of my time. Like every character's story is pretty unique. Like when you first start, you got that whole Kamochida thing I mentioned. That's a really dramatic turn it took when some stuff happened, which I can't say, unfortunately. And there's also like d- different palaces and different characters. Like you've got this guy, Yuzuke. Yuz- yeah, he actually is under the tutelage of this artist. But little do they know that there's actually something more sinister, like plagiarism happening, which I won't go into detail. So they. They ramp it up in terms of story. But also, they cover the padding and the grinding in a clever in a very clever way yeah yeah. so the closest i can think of is in mass effect 2 where there are very few grinding missions Mm. where even that the you know all your teammates character stories they're all very unique and interesting in their own way and you know it's just grinding for levels and to make sure the best ending you get is there i think the best part is that every time when you progress when you've got these empty days before you infiltrate a palace there are all these days where you can actually like oh i'm gonna go hang out this friend to boot boost up my per like uh, my bond and level and stuff yeah your social level and so forth and so forth like you're basically going down the calendar basically so you're not feeling like you're spending time for time's sake everything has a meaning behind it yes yes it actually progresses forward that's the thing so but then the thing is if you don't manage your time right yeah you might end up with like lacking skills but that's more of like pre-planning per se like knowing what days okay especially when you want to actually get the most out of like your stat boosting things like Say you actually want to actually work part-time yeah. in one of those days. If you work part-time, like, uh, in a busy period, your knowledge... I'm oh, sorry, your proficiency actually gets higher okay. compared to on a slightly less peak day. Or, if you were to get this soda drink, if you drink it on a particular day, like on a Sunday, you actually get a perk as well. Like a mm. plus one to your guts or plus one to your kindness or charm. I think that's what okay. I like about these Persona games because you gotta you gotta do the research. You, yeah, gotta, you gotta find research. out exactly what things boost and what things like uh, buff things. Otherwise, we have to reload the days. and Actually, yeah. that's a lot of reloading I have done, which is where the 50 hours... This sounds in. slightly frustrating to me. It, I think that's I probably think, a bad point, in a sense. I think frustrating is one thing, but it allows you to redo it. Okay. That's yeah, the yeah. best thing about... I, I like other RPGs where like whenever you make a decision or you buy or destroy an item, like that's set in stone. For mm-hmm. the rest of your game, you have to live with that. Whereas Persona, I think it's not forgiving, but at the same time, it allows you to really craft your story okay. and craft your experience. I think this one is more forgiving because it actually gives you quite a number of days before you actually have to make the deadline to infiltrate the palace. Okay. Yeah, so there's some leeway to make mistakes, quote-unquote. Like, maybe because you can't actually talk to Anne or bring her out, like one of your, one of your friends. Anne? Anne? One of the main characters in that, Anne, yeah. Okay. So, to, to hang out with her because Harajuku's raining or some shit. Okay, so... There's some wider aspects I want to talk about, but that's not related to the game. So I feel like just give us your rating right now, and then we'll talk about other things surrounding the game release, yeah, yeah, which sure. needs to be talked about. I would really like to give this a really high score. Like, it's not going to top Nier, that's for sure. Nier okay. Automata, I remember things that actually made more of an impact for me. And the fact that I just mentioned that, yeah, I've only spent about 50 hours plus like that on this game. Okay, but are you comfortable giving us a number rating? I am actually. I actually recommend buying this title. That's for sure. Out of ten, I'm gonna say nine. I'm gonna say nine. It's a nine. nine. Yeah, nine. it's a nine. That's a so far, okay. unless the ending is piece of shit, then yeah, I'll probably stick with nine. I'm sure I'll be fine. So I don't really care about the ending. Okay, wait. But here's the thing over here from uh, the Doctor Shafik section. Yeah, yeah. 
How's the challenge? Challenge, if you want to is bake the game really like, hard. Is it like Persona 4 where it will kick your ass? It will. It does. It yes. does. Especially <laughs> around the middle of the calendar year where mm. there'll be more enemies throwing Mudo spells at you. Like During the, the winter solstice when everything is just overpowered for some reason. Yeah, yeah. And I'm actually <laughs> hearing from some friends of mine who finished the game, the Japanese version. They say that the last few palaces and whatnot, they will, test you. they will kick your ass really bad. And the save points are actually few and far between. Perfect. Can you save just generally, or do you have to save at save points? Um, generally, you can save it when you're outside of the palace. Mm. When you're in mementos and when you're in the palaces, you have to save at certain save points. Ooh, that because that's the the game actually challenges you on that. Like you kind of have to plan your resources and save stuff. But that feels know, a bit through. arbitrary. No, it, that's more. Well, that, that's it's kind of like it's kind of planned out pretty well because yeah. when you're infiltrating, you kind of need to find a safe house to save. Okay, so I... in the palace itself, which is super huge by the way mm. you'll, you'll have certain spaces where you can save okay well <clears throat> you've definitely made me interested enough where i'm gonna give it a try before we move on i just want to mention one thing which has been in the news recently which is the streaming debacle with atlas oh okay so it has come up and um you know my big shining light of inspiration in this life jim sterling has mentioned it where even after release after the embargo period, if you stream beyond 7-7, seven, seven, you're going to be hit with a DMCA takedown. You may be hit. Wow, yes. really? That's a big yeah. risk. They yeah. said that if you show any story elements beyond that time, they will take down your channel. So, But in this day and age, why is this thing still... It's because Japanese countries... Yeah. Are, ja Japanese countries? Japanese <laughs> companies... There's only one Japanese yeah. country, yeah. sir. <laughs> Japanese companies are behind the times when it comes to this thing. And... They are super strict. Last I checked, Sega has this way iffy way of dealing with like YouTube as well as dealing with Twitch. Oh no, I mean it's the same with Nintendo. Yeah. Oh no, no, oh, Nintendo's Nintendo the worst bad. offender. Oh, you want to make money showing our games? You have to give us part of the cuts. They f they sound like a fucking enforcer. They sound like you know one of those heavies from the gangster who comes around you know with a big basketball bat saying, "Oh, nice YouTube channel you have. Be a shame if it got taken down by copyright strikes." Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So. Do you feel like this is a holdout from a particular model which just doesn't work anymore in this... I totally agree in the sense where it's like a holdout from a model that doesn't work anymore because I think a lot of them are... I'm not saying it's the developers. I'm saying it's the executives. It's in definitely the executives. Who are definitely like, you know, bean counting to the point where... I mean, it's sad to say, is literally... They're trying to find even more ways to profit from this, and they don't want to see anybody else do it. But yeah. at the same time, I can see the reason why they would do something like this. Because Persona 5 is a very story-driven game, and I feel that they kind of want to keep it a surprise for some people. Especially, they don't want to get spoiled. No, but whatnot, here's maybe. the problem. Is like, is if you go to a YouTube channel, and the guy's playing Persona 5, of course expect spoilers, because he's definitely going to play through the whole thing. I, I feel like there's yeah. a kind if of... If they put a tag and all, I no, guess that's fine. But also, there is an understanding where if you are watching a playthrough of a game, yeah. you are going to get spoilers. If you and click on it, you, you, you have to expect it. And also, this is a good example of the Streisand effects. The more Alice is going to try and cut this off, the more people are going to want to try and publish it, you know, find it because fuck the man. You know, it's... Maybe this could be a clever ploy. They want to put this post out on Atlas so people will just jump onto this game. I don't know. I don't give enough benefit of the doubt to... Yeah, nobody's that dumb. Because <laughs> also the language, because the warning came from the American team for Atlas and the language used is definitely a kind of, I'm sorry, guys, we want you to benefit from this because there are plenty of developers who have own this shit like Devolver Digital 
you know what their thing is about can you stream games they have one word on the website yes and they have a little link which says you can print out the license agreement where you say you can do whatever the fuck you want with your live streaming. It's only Japanese games who say, Japanese companies who say. Japanese companies. You know, just you say Japanese executives. Yeah. yeah. yeah they're, they're quite a pain to deal with. That's so, personal is, experience. <laughs> but can you separate Atlas executives and their conservative behind the times mannerisms from what it is? the great game, the it's, lineage that they have. It is going to take some time because they probably are not even familiar with how YouTube works. Yeah. I mean, like, a lot of Japanese companies are still also a little bit hesitant to jump onto PC. Yeah, of course. You know, with, with, I mean, like, you'll never see a Persona 5 game on a PC, but, you know, it's nice to know, like, companies like Square Enix are moving to PC, but fuck you for not giving me Nier Automata. <laughs> 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 We're going to have to go back to that, aren't we? <laughs> No, but still, uh, yeah, I mean, this is something that will, there will come a time that where there'll be a changing of the guard. I mean, there are certain Japanese companies that are very, uh, you know, I say, accepting of uh, streaming. Like Capcom, for example. Uh, yeah. Sure, Street Fighter tournaments on YouTube every day, all day. You know, you can stream it from your house, you can put it on Twitch. And then, like, there's also the holdouts. These other people. These, Konami. These, these dinosaurs, these people who have no idea what the fuck they're doing with their property and no idea what kind of an impact they would make if only they would allow... See, if they only just show people having fun with their product. That's the it's best just fucking marketing free, uh, possible. Free advertising. Yeah, you know? free advertising. And, like, they don't know what to do with that. So, I mean, like, we, we can only say so much, but at this point of time, until... Maybe all these dinosaurs actually eventually die out, you know, and maybe the younger the executives, executives coming in, those guys coming up, you know. I mean, but then again, maybe these new executives, these younger guys, are being groomed by these old fucks, you know. Yeah. But we can't say. But here's the thing: then you have to come to us, the Last King Podcast, to tell you to play games like Persona Five, yeah. since you can't see it on your stream or your favorite YouTube channel. Definitely, don't forget. You know, I'm actually kind of sorry. I'm kind of surprised that you guys didn't mention how's the music, how's the graphics, how the characters. Of course, stuff. it's gonna be brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's a certain level of quality we're expecting. Yeah. But speaking of young blood, after the break, we're gonna be talking about the get down, which is why Shafiq made me embarrass myself in front of all you lovely no, people. No, we all agreed to do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course, it's we unanimous, did. It's unanimous. Yeah. Why okay. are you throwing me under the bus on the show? Because it's nice and comfy under here. Come join me. Okay. <laughs> anyway, we're going to be talking about a get down after this break. See you soon. Yeah, yeah. Yo, we're back and we're going full steam. Our rhyme super powered like a laser beam. Shopping beat dropping his mad style flavor. What? Tommy is your lord and savior. Cap it off with a centric tongue. With the three kings of the last kingdom. Yeah. Yo, this is your boy, Dr. Shafik, aka Brown Thunder, aka Curry in a Hurry, aka The Flash, the greatest of all time. Hanging it up. Welcome back. You know what I'm saying. Here I am with my homies, my hot boys, my boys. Introduce yourselves. All right. This is crap. <laughs> no, yeah. I don't have. I don't have an actual. MC crap. Yeah, yeah. No, no. MC Vincent crap. Tuffy. On the Vincent ones and Tuffy. twos, and we have over here the White Thunder himself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we are so fucking nerdy. Uh, <laughs>
Okay. Actually, just call me Yellow Fever. So. Oh, oh wasted. Yeah, uh, there you go. The Yellow Fever. The Yellow See, Fever. All the ideas come out really late. So just after we start recording as well. Okay, welcome back to the second segment of the Last King Podcast. And of course, thank you for enjoying our brief intermission, our intro rap. Tell us what you think. Do you think we have what it takes to drop a hot as fire mixtape? I like to say yes, but that's just being biased. I would like to say, yeah, you know, we, we nerds are better than your favorite rapper. You don't know. <laughs> but Come anyway. at me, Nas, and else. <laughs> and while we're no. on the topic about awesome music and beats, I heard you guys actually saw The Get Down, season two on Netflix. Mm-hmm. In this very special hip-hop-themed episode, yes, okay. So, does it, get down, does it get down and boogie, or is it all on fours? Jesus Christ. Uh, no bestiality. <laughs> I don't have my buzzer on me, damn it. Uh, but it's alright. So, yes, the Get Down 2 dropped very recently. As of this recording, it was about a, a day ago? Two yeah. or three days ago? It came Two out or three on days ago. Friday the One sixth? of the Seven. most anticipated shows. Now, if you all recall, uh, I gave some major love to the Get Down Season 1 when it dropped. I uh, can't remember the episode. Maybe it was probably... Uh, the fuck Konami one, Metal Gear Sakit show. Most likely yeah. that one. So please go ahead and listen back through our entire back catalogue to find that very special segment. You know, the listens help. Okay, don't forget to suck, su- subscribe. Subscribe to your friends of the Last Kick podcast over on iTunes and on SoundCloud. Also, follow us on our Facebooks and our Twitters and our Instagrams at Last King Podcast. And of course, all this information will go up on the website, thelastking.net. So yes, we're going to get down, groove on, and uh, get funky fresh with season two of The Get Down. Now, Tom. Indeed. Yes. You are a fan of the show, I believe. I am a great fan of the show. You know, despite being the most white of white people <laughs> as they come, I really appreciate both part one and part two of the show because it was just a really fun, just larger than life kind of show about a period of American history which I have no prior knowledge of. Now, I need to ask you one thing. Are you a fan of the hip-hop music or hip-hop history in general? Not really. I mean, I do have some appreciation for the genre, but I've never really been into it. I mean, my if you ask me who my favorite artist was, I would say Eminem, and then I have to struggle to think about who comes afterwards. Now, if I say a show like this, I mean, especially, I mean, I mentioned this in uh, season one's review, where I'm a huge hip-hop head, and, I, like, this is, sad to say, something that existed as I was growing up, and I'm very familiar with the legacy and the history, and the fact that they also, like, you know, they kept it real by having the actual uh, hip-hop artists, yeah. you know? You know, shout out. And I love the fact that finally, season two, we get to see Africa Bombata and the Zulu Nation finally <laughs> make, make an appearance. So how Some different is this? Dropping there. How different is this from season one? Season two, what does it bring you in? You want to get into that straight away? I would say that the main difference is you can see the budget kind of like bottom up yeah. a bit. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay, so the first season, you can see the Baz Luhrmann money there right now. I'm talking about the big set pieces, the big dance numbers, the music numbers. Yeah, the production is really on point. Yeah, whereas with season two, there is some element there, but the sets are smaller, and there's a very heavy reliance on animation. Yeah, to fill in the Mm. gaps, because I feel, I don't know if it's an aesthetic choice, but it seems more to me that it was them trying to fill in the gaps of, like, you know, production problems. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely see where there is some element where it is a style choice, and it does work at the beginning of the season, where it's a bit like, oh, this is new, this yeah, is Yeah, it got overused very quickly, yeah. Yeah, I would say. Especially by the last episode, episode five, I was thinking, okay, can we see the real people now? I understand what you're trying to say, but I didn't come into this to see a, a cartoon. I came in this to see 
these actors perform what they're doing. I also have another theory, and it's because most of the animation segments revolve around uh, Jaden Smith's character, Dizzy, and his uh, romantic uh, escapades with Thor. The most blur of blur people <laughs> ever. <laughs> the young blonde uh, graffiti artist, right? Oh my god, yeah. Could it possibly be Mr. Will Smith like kind of interfering and saying, no, I will not have my son kiss another boy in a TV show because I did that long time ago and only I <laughs> shall maintain the throne of being the only Smith to have ever done a gay mo- moment in a movie. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the reasons were. I just feel like it was good at first but kind of got overplayed and again, I feel like this is an element which you can feel in this last thing where you know the money went out and you know they're not being renewed. So you feel yeah. that that bit, they feel like you, they distracted you from the main theme of Get I Down. wouldn't say distract. I wouldn't say distract, but because... It was I, obvious filler. Yeah. yeah. I knew what it was because I followed the production history behind it and I followed the news behind it. So I knew that there wasn't going to be a, a next one unless this one gets Was it so officially cancelled after yeah, it season was. one, right? And after so this season is one, it was all but confirmed that they weren't going to renew it, but they had part two films, so they were going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I feel like they didn't do, you know, the reshoots or... A lot of post-production focused more on just making sure that the story was finished. So I feel mixed about that because it definitely feels rushed in some elements. There are definitely some characters who I feel like they were introduced, they got fleshed out in part one. Yeah, definitely. And in part two... They kind of just disappeared, like uh, Jackie, the the composer. He was a very big guy in season one. He w- well, he did kind of pop up during the later part of season two. He did, two. but it was kind of like an afterthought, like, oh yeah, he was a character. I almost forgot that he was there. Yeah. Whereas in the first episode, his personal struggles, his inner demons, they were a big part of... Like he was a major component of the rise of... Uh, what, what Mylene Cruz. Mylene, yeah. Yeah, whereas here it was kind of like, oh yeah, we still have him on retainer, so I guess we need to show him. On the counter side, I feel like because they knew they're gonna end, it. W- they felt like they were going all out. Right? Yeah, they yeah. said, "Okay, fuck it. We're not gonna do the lead in. We're not gonna play safe. We're gonna go all out and give us the boldest ending we could have for a modern TV show." I totally enjoyed it. And yeah. it is probably the best ending I have seen in a modern TV show, ever. <laughs> and I will defend that for the rest of my days. Yeah, I, I totally agree because like even if they don't get renewed and like season three never happens, I mean part three, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, and like, yeah, I kind of, like not only is it a scant five episodes compared to the last uh, part, which was six episodes, right? You could see the production budget, but you could see also the talent and the heart and like the ability for these people to like complete the journey. And if they ended on the note of like Mylene going off, oh, spoilers by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Spoiler yeah. alert. <laughs> she actually... Uh, she's going to Hollywood to make the movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah, She is on her way to success. I think that's the beauty of Netflix itself. Like, you're not actually confined to do 12 episodes or 24 episodes. Yeah, just having enough episodes is Because enough. Netflix is binge property, you know? Yeah. Like, nobody watches it after, like, a week, you know? They, they, they watch everything in one sitting. Yeah, because no one has that kind of self-restraint. Mm-hmm. Honestly, well, speaking about the performances... I feel like, and I feel like Shafiq would agree with me, there's no weak performance no, no. in yeah. this show. Everybody's on form. Yeah, which I can't say of any other property, even Game of Thrones, which is another gold standard for TV shows. There are definitely I people would say, there yeah, just for the paycheck. Game of Thrones is more of a gold standard for storytelling, but not yeah. so much for characters. I mean, they can have asshole characters and they do that perfectly. But I would also say at the same time, there are a lot of weak characters. Like Sansa Stark is still not interesting mm. at all to me. She's getting there, but I would say other people, like the preacher played by... Jonathan Price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jonathan Price. I feel like... 
And he's a great actor. He's actually. a great actor. Like underused, basically. It right? felt underused, and also I felt like he didn't believe in the character he was playing. Okay, so how, how about the other guys? Okay, let's just get back on track. Let's right? rewind. The <laughs> <laughs> the, how's the how's the cast like? How excellent are they? Like every single person is brilliantly cast. Any standouts? Standouts, I would say the number one standout is the pastor. For me, it's Cadillac. I like his art. Cadillac is yeah. great. But I would say the pastor, who's played by the guy who played Gus in Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the name of the actor right now. I really apologize for that. That guy. The coffee <laughs> guy. The coffee guy. Yeah. And what I love is his journey is so tragic. It's so awful. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, like every show yeah. now needs a mate, right? Yeah, and the thing is, uh, especially, it has to be the religious villain. And it has time. to be. And... You know, he's not a great character because you hear about his backstory in the first one where he was a drunk driver. He killed someone in a hit and run. Yeah. And also made him touch a religion and became a fanatic about religion. Like his redemption arc went totally... Like, and even then, up, it yeah. was still the pursuance of fame and fortune which drove his religious journey. Mm. And Riding off the back of his daughter. Yeah. And when his uh, bunny ears daughter. Yeah. <laughs> Spoilers and again. And when finally everything gets taken away, it's one of the most powerful imagery I've ever seen. You're talking TV about the show. suicide scene, right? Oh yeah. When it's in his brand new church, which he's just paid for, where the count the Pentecostal council has paid for, and he's here giving this rousing sermon about you know taking on the sins of his family for setting them free, mm. and you hear this roar of the congregation, and you pan it and it's empty mm-hmm. it's only his mind and it's painted red which is an image of sin and debauchery and he's there saying I will save them all and then watching he, him bathe in his own delusion yeah. right? and yeah. then you hear a gunshot Damn. silence and then Marlene walks in very coincidentally but I think for but the purpose it, of pacing yeah. for the purpose of pacing and for the story it is one of the most powerful scenes I've seen in a long time yeah. and it's that larger-than-life kind of Baz Luhrmann magic. It's the kind of thing which made Moulin Rouge and Romeo and Juliet work. Yeah, that I would of, say that... Uh, that magic p- realism element, which... He's got a penchant for the theatric, too. So, I yeah. mean, like, he pulls this off very well. I mean... He's the, kind, he's the kind of director where I say, you are the ones who should be doing these stage performances to film adaptions, but you never get the phone call. Mm-hmm. What the mm. fuck? You know, why is Tom Ford fucked to him mm. getting all those calls? Oh, well, but I would also say, I mean, but um, one of my problems with the Baz Luhrmann touch is also probably one of the more important episodes, which is the, the Rubicon episode. The Rubicon episode, where, where... Yeah, I had severe Moulin Rouge flashbacks, it's especially with the... anachronistic music, because yeah. if you're not familiar, it's set in 1979. During the height of disco and the birth of hip-hop. Well, right? it's at the zenith, the decline of disco and the birth of hip-hop, it's... Six months before the first ever hip-hop record is released. Mm. That's the time period. Yeah, right before. I mean, they even blatantly added at the end of the yeah. final episode. And then mm. the song that Meline sings is the kind of shit you'd hear from Ariana Grande, Rihanna, every other pop princess but nowadays. I think that was also essential because they wanted to show that she was uh, beyond. Ahead of time, not say it? ahead of her time, but beyond what was available. And yeah. especially with the cutaway to like Misty Holloway up in the... In the grandstand, like looking down and realizing that you know her throne is now at risk. Yeah. And like I mean, that was perfect. That was a a perfect moment, but it kind of felt out of place. In and also, it's the weakest song in the episode. Yeah, I agree. Because the stronger one was the one by the standard performer. The lyrics are nothing special. It's just very simple, easy rhymes. But it's a very important because of how it's shot. 
because the song is Cross Your Personal Rubicon. Mm. And if you're not familiar, the Rubicon is the river in Rome, which Julius Caesar crossed with his legions. Mm -hmm. It's commonly referred to in English as the point of no return. And that's what it refers to. This is every single character's point of no return. It's the pastor where he finally has to cross that point where it's he... It's books giving up on the college education yeah. to pursue the music. It's Mylene Cruz giving up, you know, the last vestiges of the church girl, the choir girl, to be the starlet. And the it's also Shaolin going against Annie, right? If I'm yeah. not mistaken. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's, so it's a very strong, it's pivotal every episode. major character's personal point of no return. And that's why it's a, such a powerful song cut with a lot of imagery. So when that song came on, it felt anachronistic. I was like... I can't enjoy this to how I normally would in this show because also there's so many major songs which I can think of through back in the first part, you know, Come Set Me Three or where the Gethan Brothers finally get together and do their big showdown with the mm. Notorious Three, mm. which is just such a pulse-pounding, just fantastic musical beats. Do you kind of feel also that the fact that a lot of these episodes have moments where the Get Down bro Brothers have their segment? Yeah. Where it gets played out a little bit too much? Kind of. So like, you think they actually steal the spotlight in a sense? Not say steal the spotlight, but because the thing is, like, they worked so hard to get to that point in season one, mm -hmm. and the fact that now that they're a team and they're like a, a musical group and they're performing every week, and every episode has a Get Down Brothers segment, it kind of feels like, okay, you've got to top this now. Yeah. Because you are literally watering it down. Mm -hmm. And I know it's five, six episodes. I mean, this is five episodes, Five episodes, right? yeah. And the thing is, like, I think that's probably one of the weaknesses I have about this season is that there's no standout uh, musical performance. There were a lot of standout acting performances and character development. Music is definitely yeah, weaker in it took this a It took a bit of a step back because mm. the thing is, what I loved about the first uh, Get Down, right, was like the discovery of hip-hop, how they embraced the culture, where they... Uh, I mean, I would say in season two, they kind of also make note of the four essentials, the four elements, which is your graffiti, b-boy culture, uh, beats and rhymes. Yeah. But also at the same time, it's like, uh, like the music... Like, which was in the forefront for the first one, where these characters were basically, like, you know, pushing this new idea, this new culture. Like, that took a step back in season two, where it's basically about mm -hmm. all the characters going through the redemption arcs or going through, like, uh, you know, their, their next phase, you know, seeing them blossom, which I totally, truly appreciate. But I think the one thing about season two that I feel lacked compared to season one was, like, there wasn't enough music. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a song There's per episode. plenty of music. There's like, plenty of music, yes. Yeah. But there's no big, awesome showpiece that we don't know. So it's Absolutely. one song per episode, usually. Right? Not one song, well, but there's one standout song per episode. But there are none which really... There are no brain worms, no ear worms. Yeah. Like there is in the first one. I mean, like even for the so-called the not say the final episode, but it was it the final episode. I think it was the final episode where they united the three kingdoms. Yeah, and, and there was a big show. Yeah. It didn't feel big enough. Do you no, feel? it felt a bit lackluster. And the bit where it finally felt like they were making their own was a callback to the first part where yeah, yeah which <laughs> is the big part of the first part. And they do that callback. It's like okay, that's cool. Oh, why is there nothing that stands out to that? I guess so. I mean, like, I wouldn't even blame them for not being a... I, I would say this is all because of the budget, because of the restraints. I, w I, w I feel like they definitely couldn't afford the same kind of songwriter as the time before. But fortunately, what was lacking in the music, which unfortunately, in a show about music, that's a big minus point. Yes. <laughs> but the drama is just next level. 
I feel like there's so many mature moments and especially the younger actors. Yeah, I mean, even Jaden kind of yeah. pulled it off. Jaden Smith, for all of his pseudo-philosophical bullshit which he does nowadays, he could sell that kind of... Yeah, yeah. it's kind of spaced out kid who is on another Yeah, reality. the one who doesn't really belong, but he has something which... He's kind of like the weird soul which touches your life in a weird way, but he doesn't really belong. Like his in moniker there. is now the alien, right? Yeah, yeah. Zumi, the anyone on the top hat. Rumi or, or Rumi. Uh, was it Rumi? I thought it was Zumi. Yeah. Whatever. Either way, I mean, Whatever. like 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 I said, he's not he's not forgettable, but I think like he's just a small component of a much bigger. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I know character piece. I would say, mm-hmm. and it's like even Boo Boo has his own uh like moment where he becomes a jock pusher under yeah. the. And the tutelage of Shaolin and stuff like that. Yeah, and honestly... And, like, I also like to see Rara come into his own when he's, like, facing, uh, like, uh, Annie and, like, he's like, I'm the businessman. Like, this is what we can do. I can fill up your club with 700 people. Like, that scene, like, oh, look at Rara coming up. Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but that reminds me of one thing which I've regret from the past season where they build up Rara as a speed rapper because... Yeah, you know, he didn't do that again, right? Yeah, that, that <laughs> part in the first episode where he can't hold the beat because he's thinking too much. So they say, oh, just do what you want. And he speaks, I was like, oh my God. There you go. Yeah, this is the precursor to... Jazz. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they never do it again. It's like, oh, come on. You know, you ha- you build that bu- that thing. It and sounds kind of wasted, yeah. A little bit. And I guess that's more because how do you fit speed rap, which is definitely product of the late 90s, early 2000s, into... No, actually, they existed around then. I mean, there were yeah, people like Jazzo, like even young Jay-Z when he came out, they were all known for their speed. But that's still later than 1978, right? Uh, yeah, definitely. I think, like, maybe the most standout speed rapper, I think that was worldwide, was probably Snow with Informer. White people! Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Or Spe- maybe the Micro Machine Man, I don't know. <laughs> Speaking of white people, one thing which I did appreciate in this part was that they're unapologetic and unafraid to say some shit about current social political issues. And how it's America. still, yeah, it's how it's still relevant today. Yeah, and they're unafraid to just say, yeah, white people suck. The entire time. And it doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel like they're saying it because they need to appease some SAW agenda. It's because, yeah, white people sucked in the 1970s. It was that era where... Yeah, you have that scene where the main character, Books, Books, is because the character is... He kind of is trying to get into Yale. Mm -hmm. So he goes Mm -hmm. to the Yale club. It's dealing with all these shitheads who are just so easily saying stuff like, oh, you're... You know, you're a black guy. You're, you're a affirmative, affirmative action guy. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, you're, you're a cholo man. You're so crazy, lad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's like, oh, you can take gentle ripping. No, that's fucking awful to say to people. And it's just, they're willing to say, people were not at their best at that time. It's not a romantic look at the 1970s, which I a lot of things fall back also on. Also, kind of, really yeah. yeah. also, I really want to kind of bring up like the depiction of the white people. Like, how perfect was it when outside of that building, that Yale club, right? Yeah. Like, everybody was going, uh, everything was all about disco and hip-hop and this new culture that was coming up. And like, when uh, Books enters uh, the Yale club, the it's first, a barbershop quartet. The first thing he hears is like a bunch of old white guys singing in a barbershop quartet. <laughs> you know, that, oh, like, oh yeah, you're entering a different world right yeah. now. Yeah, but even then, the main white character, Mr. Mr. Guns, Guns, yeah, he's not, you know, a cartoon villain. There are levels where, where I could hear what he was saying to Ezekiel Figaro, Books. Yeah. And it's like, he does have a point. Okay, it is mired in some old money racism, but there is definitely an element of 
you need to not be brought down by the people around you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the scene. I mean, that's also one of the most powerful scenes also is when he's standing over the model of the entire city. Yeah. And you can just see, like, how threatening he was and, like, I own this and you're only a small piece of what it is that I control. And I also like the fact that, I mean, he's not a total asshole. He's just, like, telling Ezekiel, I mean, books is, like, basically, look, if you, if, if you follow me, you can leave all this behind. No, but at the price of what? Your soul, your friends, you know, your integrity. Yeah. And like that was also a very standout moment for uh, Ezekiel. I mean, like I love that scene where he just literally looked at him straight in the eye and was like, nah, <laughs> fuck you. I mean, he didn't really say that. Oh, wait. He kind of did. 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 Yeah. He kind of did. You know, yeah. like you can have this, you know, stick it up your ass. I'm just going to go and concentrate on my music. But he still got to yell at the end. But he still got to yell based on his ability. And I loved it. I love, yeah, as schmaltzy as that might sound, that little happy it's ending. It's definitely not realistic because 1970s Yale would not do that shit. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. You would think so? Nah, I haven't, no. I haven't tried to apply yet, you know. I haven't gotten my letter back also. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like that leads nicely into talking about the ending. Is it? Which... You. You're not gonna. I mean, you're gonna. Spoil we've, it. we've been spoiling it all the way. It's five episodes. If you can't watch, uh, the entirety of the get down before listening to this podcast, sorry. It's five hours long. Come <laughs> on, that's two Batman v Supermans, <laughs> <laughs> and it's much more worth your time. Uh, but yeah. what I love about the ending is that it's, re- it does a thing of, do I know what is real? Because uh, yeah, okay. the entire premise of. Is it, is it not, you know, in that sense? Because at the beginning of every... Yeah, the narration. Yeah, at the beginning there's a narration which is done by Nas. Mm-hmm. The rapper. Yeah, he's playing MC Books and he's re- narrating the setting of each episode. And you feel like, oh, this is the guy who's made it. Talking about how he's done it. He's talking about his past, yeah. Yeah, but then the ending, the way it fits in Books is messing around in a studio because he just has time to mess in a studio. And you feel like, oh, is this actually what MC Books is? Or is this... A guy who went to Yale, who went into, I don't know, you stocks got, trading. Is that what you got from the whole like narration thing? Where I don't it know, could I, be an alternate universe, feels like which it, is magical be, and super, like, special? It could be someone wistfully saying, this is where my path forks. I went down one. What happened if I went the other way? Mm, yeah, 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 I, I really like, agree. This is the famous... Because the way he was talking and acting, it felt very like Jay-Z, very like, you know... The superstar rappers of the early 2000s. And also, speaking of production problems, I don't think it's the same actor, right? Playing the older books. Oh, absolutely not. It's someone somebody else. else right? There also, wasn't any close-ups or anything. Well, no, because the guy who plays it, he's 20 fucking one. He can't pull off the old, old-school rapper look. Yeah, they ran out of money. So we got no aging makeup yeah, effects. Yeah, but there's other aspects, you know, at the end where they're mixing his rap with uh, Melina Cruz's disco. Mm. Where you see the dancers, but you never see their face. And it's kind of... It's... Kind of like in Great Gatsby, where he like the visual metaphor is very strong. Yeah, yeah, where you see in Great Gatsby the green light at the end of the pier, where you can't quite reach it, but it's there. It's that thing. It's reaching something which is intangible. I mean, I would say one thing about season two: it retains the mythical quality that uh, was very prevalent in, in season one, where they like you know take all these things that actually happened, take all these people that actually existed, and they raise it to such like fairy tale status, which I think what. That's what Baz Luhrmann does, does well. I mean, not just that, but also the other directors and yeah. the, the production people. Like that, this is the best way, I feel, outside of a documentary to tell the story of hip hop, and like you know the death of disco. Yeah. And like you know with these characters, that you can see, 
exactly what a paradigm shift it was, especially in New York, especially in that time. I mean, in the Bronx. Like, let's be let's be real. That's where it came from. Yeah, that made it very. I don't mention another very important image in the last episode with the poverty lord, Francisco Cruz, Papa Fuerte. Oh, standing on the car. Standing yeah. car, looking over the wasteland, but he sees this idyllic dream where, even though, yes, there are elements where you know he was ex daughting poor people mm. he had a dream he had a purpose mm -hmm. and he got fucked over by people who wanted to by white easy. people <laughs> yeah. yeah white people suck <laughs> spoken right. from a white guy so yeah. he can say it take it from a white english dude white people <laughs> suck so anyway you guys are definitely in love with this show i would i want to see more so. but at the same time if it ended right here i am totally fine with i would go what's your final rating i would uh, before okay. i say final rating okay. i'm gonna say I don't want to see another part. Really? You want it to end where it is? Yeah, because I feel like it's they can only disappoint me if they say anything else. So this is beautifully ambiguous. Yeah, it's yeah. beautifully ambiguous because I would like to have various headcanons of maybe they get back together, maybe MC Books is the real deal, maybe it's... MC Books becomes Jay-Z. Yeah. <laughs> or, ma or maybe yeah. Ezekiel Figaro becomes some boring fuckwit and this is him <laughs> thinking about, oh, back when I was cool, back when I had a purpose, back when I was in touch with my roots. Mm. That there's that element of what could have been, which is a beautiful ending, which I don't want ruined because they say, oh, I want to answer it. It's, it's yeah. what makes certain stories Don't unravel beautiful. the mythology, yeah. right? Let it be magical. Yeah. Right? yeah, I agree with you. So my final rating is a solid eight to nine. Good, yeah. good. I would probably give it around... Yeah, I would definitely give it an eight upon ten. I mean... One thing I love about the ghetto and one thing I, I wanted to bring up kind of is the fact that it's the perfect parable to what's happening with hip-hop music nowadays. Absolutely, yeah. Now, especially with the new rise of the mumble rappers and all these people who are only doing it for the Instagram, who's only doing it for like for the money, for the... Not, not, not for the soul, not, not for, for the, the music. They're like, doing it for the 50 minutes of fame, not because they yeah, want to say something. All these talentless bullshit rappers who can't even rap. You know, these whack-ass rappers that exist now that are like taking over like the, the mainstream hip-hop music scene. And I love seeing a show like this where it's just about four guys and their DJ and they just keep it real. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. Like the whole thing about this whole show... It's like a, a, just a big message to the kids out there. Yo, keep it real. Yeah, you know? and that's the driving force behind the main character. You know, what he's doing is for love, for anger, because he doesn't know who he is, what he wants to be. Putting all this emotion into his art. Yeah, yeah, and all the demons which pursue him, he pushes it into a written verse, whereas today, what the fuck is the name of a major new rap artist designer designer little uzi vert uh, <laughs> lil yati all these whack-ass no talent rappers <laughs> can't even freestyle for shit <laughs> yeah they rely on what they wrote for their albums and dude they don't even write they just mumble their way through their yeah. verses nowadays and I, like, it's sickening to i didn't me. think mumbling was the thing i mean like, like totally thank god like as of this recording kendrick lamar just dropped humble and like his new album is on the way yeah i am so looking forward yeah. to that thank dude. god for kendrick Lam lamar jolis gambino and all those for jacob Little Dicky for all the guys who keep it real. Exactly. <laughs> Were not for them, this alpha will go the way of the disco. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, it's a it's a great parable on like 
certain things are just destined to fade away. Certain trends, certain fads are not going to last forever. Yeah, yeah. Trends and are that. Trends. That's nothing lasts forever. And exactly, that's why I love like what happens to Cadillac because yeah. he realizes that his demise is on its way. Like the best part about the final uh, show, not, 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 that, not that they're reuniting all the, 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 king, the kingdoms, but just seeing Cadillac's reaction. Yeah, when he says, I still don't like the music, but I respect what, what they're doing. I respect before. that guy's move. Uh, and like the best line of all, like, you know, fuck it, I'm going to be 30 next week. I don't want to do this forever. It's like, holy shit, man. Like, fuck this shit. I'm out of the gangster game. I'm going all in on the music. And the thing is, because we are, like, aware of what happened to Disco, yeah. and you know, like, that's his tragic arc that's going to end that way. That's what, also why we don't, I don't want to see part three, because I don't want to see what I know is going to happen to Cadillac. Yeah, and then, like, also at the same time, like, hip-hop is going to explode literally, like, a few weeks after, like, According to the timeline of this show, six months later, six months later, rappers delight drops. Yeah, you know, and then like, uh, yeah, you don't need to tell that story anymore because we all know what happens. Mm-hmm. You know, is that a hip hop? <laughs> I think we dropped enough rhymes, boys. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I should be not allowed to drop any more rhymes ever. No, 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 no. We've we've got a. We've got a good start. Let's you just say you that. have okay. a very specific cadence. Tell you what, Last King fans, what do you think? Should Eccentric Tom pursue the rap game? Should I drop my new mixtape? You know, it's gonna be hot as fire. It's gonna be lit. He's gonna be turned up. Everybody do a dab. Is he gonna oh. be an Eminem or is he gonna be a Vanilla Ice? Do oh. you, know, you and me outside right now? <laughs> you know what? Tell you what. You know, I I name dropped Lil Dicky. I got the perfect hip hop name for you. Yeah. Big dicky. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, <laughs> let's wrap up this show. This has been the Last King podcast. Thank you very much for listening. If you want to hear more, we have a SoundCloud. The we Last have the King iTunes. Podcast. We have the iTunes. We have our Facebook. We have our Instagram and our Twitter at Last King Podcasts. Follow us, listen to us, keep the lights on. Yeah, okay. You can also see all this information over on our website, www.thelastking.net. This has been your co-host, MC Shafiq, the Brown Thunder, Curry in a Hurry, the last thing you ever need to hear. Also with Mr. Toffee, aka Weeboo Wizard, Dr. Anime, and Mr. Funkmeister, Psychedelic Funkatron 9003. Oh my god, that's super long. And lastly, this has been Eccentric Tom, aka Avalanche, aka The White Blizzard, aka Lord Generic. Signing out. Peace, yo. Beep, 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 beep.